Ben, I'm sad to disappoint you, but I grew up a Star Wars fan. So could you tell me a little bit more about your costume? Sure. Um, Will Riker is the first officer on the Starship Enterprise, which is the, the spaceship that Star Trek The Next Generation takes place on, which is the ship that uh, Jean-Luc Picard, who's very famous, is the captain of. Um, yeah, and um, I think Riker's a really great character. He chooses to stay aboard the ship, even though he gets offered a position as a captain of other ships, and he decides that, you know, he values the, the people that he works with who've become like a family to him. Um, and he really um, invests a lot in, uh, in his community and still goes on a lot of adventures and does really cool stuff throughout the show and helps thwart the bad guys many, many times. So he's a cool dude. What about your costume? Well, my first rule when coming up with costumes for Fourth Universalist is I need something that I'm gonna be able to help with pumpkin carving in, uh, so I can't be very impractical. Um, so as I was looking, I found this butterfly cape and Many of you will be shocked to know this, but it does have Taylor Swift connections. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you all. <laughs> um, it is connected to imagery off of her first album, so that way my Taylor Swift friends will understand my costume, but everyone else will at least appreciate me being the queen of butterflies. That's what I'm going with. Gabriel gave me that one. You get, I thought it was Gabriel. Okay, we're going with Alejandro then. Okay. <laughs> but Ben, you know what? Someone else told me that Halloween is for kids. Do you agree with that? Well, that's a complicated question. Halloween is for kids, but it's also for everybody else too. Um, I loved Halloween as a little kid. I got into a lot of uh, good fun trouble on Halloween when I was growing up. Uh, but I also think that Halloween is, is really great um, when you start to become an adult too, because it's a time of year that you can see creative sides of your friends and people in your community that you don't always get to see. You can see a lot of self-expression and people have a lot of fun and it's really cool to to see that side of people as well. I think people have an easy time being a little bit goofier than they normally are on Halloween. And that's really fun. What about you? Do you think Halloween is, is just for kids? Well, I will admit that as a kid, a young kid, I adored Halloween. It was my favorite. I dressed up every year. But I did go through the I'm super cool middle school phase. Um, I was probably not very exciting to be around. I had to disagree with everything. I did not like many things. I'm sure middle school parents understand this reality. Um, and I, I thought I was too cool for Halloween. But what I found as I got older uh, was that Halloween was a great place for self-expression for me. Um, being in a very conservative community in the Midwest, uh, there are, I did not feel like there was any chance that I could really be out as a trans woman. And Halloween was my chance that I could 
even though I was at Bible school, kind of just smudge the rules a little bit and, you know, come up with a costume that would allow me to express myself while uh, in the closet at Bible school. And I think that for a lot of people, Halloween is this really great time of self-expression, whether they're LGBTQ or just uh, in general in life, that it's really a time to uh, enjoy expressing yourself in some sort of creative way. Um, I think it's also a really great time to confront our fears. Um, uh, I know this year, and I'll give a shout out to Judy, who is out in the audience. Uh, I confronted a major fear of mine and went on seven roller coasters in one day after previously having gone about 20 years. And I realized how important confronting fears is. Uh, that it's really a, an important growth point for many of us. And I think that Halloween, in a very fun sense, can allow us to confront our fears, whether that's scary movies or scary stuff out on the street. What do you think? That's really interesting. And that makes me think about the origins of Halloween in Ireland and cultures around that area, where it was believed that it was a time of year when the world, when the the veil between the usual human world and the spiritual world was thinner. And so there are, there are um, meetings and confrontations and contacts that happen. We're brought into touch with things that we're not always aware of in our day-to-day -day life. And, you know, getting to know a different part of yourself or a part of who you are or, or facing a fear um, seems like it's very in that spirit too yeah when i think if we're talking about the veil being thinner mm -hmm. this seems an appropriate time to transfer this message to our man on the screen the minister of oz as it were fourth universalist society of the emerald city in new york <laughs> we're going with it and we're going to hear a little bit about is Fourth You Haunted? Hi, everybody. I am not the Wizard of Oz anymore. It was too hard to have the green uh, plastic in front of there, but I'm glad to be here with all of you here. Um, this is a question that I have been asked more this year than I have any other year that I've been at Fourth Universal. It's this question of whether Fourth You is haunted. Um, I love this question. Um, and I know there are plenty of reasons why people might wonder about this. Um, Fourth U is a Gothic building uh, and it's English perpendicular Gothic to be more specific. Now, of course, Gothic is synonymous with the macabre. It's the ghostly, it's a whole genre of literature, a whole style of dress. And English perpendicular Gothic architecture is the most hardcore form because it emerged after the Black Death, the plague that killed one third to half of Europe. The religious consensus at the time was that they needed an architecture to reflect the overwhelming power of death and the somberness of life. And thus, this style was born. Why our architect wanted to channel that spirit is a good question. Maybe he knew that one day this building would be haunted. It is also old, built in 1898, has a slightly ruinous feel, the kind of place that has a history that you could imagine possessed with some ancient malevolence or as the site of some tragic, horrific event. But you might ask, what evidence is there? Has anyone actually experienced a haunting 
Has anyone seen a ghost? Any history that would suggest someone's spirit might stalk these halls. We know, as we discussed last week, that two sets of human remains lie at rest within our walls. Certainly their spirits could roam this place. And there is also a rumor of another. Abby, whose cremains rest in the chapel, had a mother-in-law. According to a history book on the family's flag business, this mother-in-law, Phoebe, who had literally been coming to Fourth Universe for a hundred years, she started when she was three and died at 103, that Phoebe was buried at Fourth Universalist. Now, I had never heard this, nor had anyone ever told me about it. No one I've asked has ever heard about it. No congregational history, no archival documents have said anything about it. I reached out to the historian who wrote the history and she had given away her notes. I couldn't reach Phoebe's family. So it's possible that there is another body buried, a literal body buried somewhere. I've looked for it in the chapel, in the tower, the two mortuary spaces. I've looked in the basement, a popular burial space in old churches and in nooks and crannies behind boilers and vents that would have been installed after Phoebe was buried. But she remains missing. Perhaps she is under your chair, buried in the floor, like in the great cathedrals of Europe. Perhaps she is upset that we have lost track of her, and she wanders at night, trying to reveal her final resting place. We know that one former minister believed that there was something wrong about this place, something off. They felt so strongly that they performed a ritual cleansing of the building. They would tell me later, quote, it didn't work. Now, there's also rumor that many years ago, two children got stuck in the tower and were found too late. I don't remember who told me this, and I have found no evidence in my research, but it is an odd thing to have made up. Recently, I was here late at night with a group of organizers. If you ever been here at night, you know it is very dark and very quiet. It is very eerie. One veteran organizer who is fearless in the face of angry crowds, who has stared down police and blockaded highways, this is no coward, told me that they had to stop themselves from running out of the sanctuary. So certain they were that it was haunted. Yet perhaps the person who would know the best, our night watchman for over 42 years, Jim Wolfert, said emphatically that the building was not haunted. He is a trustworthy source. But now that he has passed on, I could also imagine that of all the places he would like to spend eternity, this might be the place. Maybe we will see him again. So who is to say whether this place is haunted? We cannot know. But I suspect when people ask, part of them wants the answer to be yes. And I do too. Even though many of us are rationalists, many of us don't believe in superstition, many of us don't even believe in a higher power, we'd still delight in stories that suggest that there is something else around us, something we can't always see. Samuel Johnson wrote centuries ago of ghosts that all arguments are against it, but all belief is for it. We want to believe in ghosts, not because we want to be haunted, but because they provide a layering, a texture, a nuance to a world 
that can feel sometimes altogether too predictable, quantifiable, and rational. In 1918, Max Weber suggested a theory of disenchantment. He postulated that our modern society had been severed from spiritual mystery, and thus the world had become, as Susan Ritchie has written, a dead thing, an inert object suitable to study by science, commodification by capitalism, and seizure through colonialism. Now this kind of disenchanted world is dreary, uninteresting, and depressing. The human heart needs mystery, it needs contact with what it doesn't fully understand to ensure it does not sink into despair. It needs to feel like it is not the master of the universe because such a mastery would mean this life we see before us was all there ever was. Well, gods and God are the supreme example of our hearts longing for this mystery, but ghosts are in the same vein. Halloween, the Celtic tradition is a thin time when that veil between the world of the living and the dead is weakened. It is a time when our disenchantment and modern sensibility and reason can be put aside. When we can imagine a world that is enchanted, full of magic and spirits, and yes, maybe even haunted. The question is not whether this place, Fourth Universalist, is haunted or not, but what fun it would be to imagine it is, to allow ourselves the freedom to live not in reason or probability, but in possibility, in the what ifs and the maybes and could be's, to live in the stories, not the facts. This is the joy of Halloween. May it haunt you in a joyful, delightful, not scary kind of way. May it be so.